begin a process of assessing, refreshing, and renovating the programs for young people here at All Saints. In an effort to stay at the cutting edge of the Episcopal Church, our task has begun to curate curriculum, events, service projects, and social environments that speak to young people today, yet remain true to our Anglican tradition and from Christian service for around the world. The other task force members include the incoming chair, Amy Gaynor, Maria Salavos, Jesse Furr, Comer Yates, Jeff Pope, our youth representative, Paul Ferlingos, our vestry liaison, Arjun Srinivasan, and staff, Kathy Roberts, Joel Smith, Carol Kimmel, and Zach Yane. All of these individuals represent a wide cross-section of interests, varying degrees of history with the parish, varying ages of children and professional backgrounds. It has been a joy to witness the passion that they each bring, and I hope that you will all walk away as energized as we all are for this work. This morning, we plan to provide an overview of our work, a summary of the report that was prepared by our consultants, and an update on where our programs stand, along with our best hopes, aspirations, and visions for the future of our ministries. But first, let us begin with a prayer. The Lord be with you. God, our Father, you see your children growing up in an unsteady and confusing world. Show them that your ways give more life than the ways of the world, and that following you is better than chasing after selfish goals. Help them to take failure not as a measure of their worth, but as a chance for a new start. Give them strength to hold their faith in you and to keep alive their joy in your creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. And now I'll turn it over to Zach. Well, good morning. Again, my name is Zach Yane, and I serve as Associate Rector for Children, Youth, and Community Engagement. And working with young people is one of my great joys in the church. Uh, no offense to all of y'all, but in general, young people are much easier to deal with than uh, adults. And I'm continually inspired by the faith, resilience, and questions that they bring. Shortly after I came one year ago, the parish embarked on a three-year strategic plan to come to know, love, and serve our neighbors. As part of that process, we began the work of assessing, evaluating, and refreshing our programs for our youngest neighbors, from cradle to college. In many ways, we approach this work from a place of strength in relation to the vast majority of Episcopal churches. Our youth facility, choirs, and Wednesday night programs are unparalleled. The sheer number of young people on our rolls easily places us within the top percentile of Episcopal churches. At the same time, we recognize that changing demographics in our immediate neighborhood context and in the wider culture pose an opportunity for all saints to be real leaders and innovators in the wider church. Rather than become complacent, we strive to be good stewards of the incredible resources entrusted to us by God and by past generations of saints. 
Ultimately, our task is born not only of a strategic plan or a desire for excellence, but out of faithfulness to our Lord, who said, let the children come to me. I believe that this work is integral to our very DNA. The fact that if you read our All Saints history book, you'll find that All Saints was begun in part as a Sunday school mission focused on the children of young families attending St. Philip's and St. Luke's, but living in Midtown. And that piece of history is instructive. Faith formation has been at the heart of this community for decades. More recently, in the, late 90, in the late 90s and early 2000s, All Saints was home to former children's formation director, Tracy Herzer, who was a key player in the development of the Journey to Adulthood program, also known as J2A, one of the premier and most effective programs in the Episcopal Church nationally. All Saints used the Journey to Adulthood program in full until around 2012 and has retained elements, namely the seventh grade Right 13 service, a coming of age bar mitzvah-like experience for 13-year-olds, along with the 10th grade pilgrimage. Nevertheless, J2A is very much a product of its era and is now regarded generally as somewhat dated. Thus, part of the task force's work has been to imagine and develop a suitable alternative, equally thoughtful, comprehensive, and dynamic that speaks, speaks to contemporary needs. Well, how exactly have times changed since the Sunday school at West Peachtree and Ponce was founded more than a century ago? Well, there is a joke among Episcopal priests that if the 1950s come back, then the Episcopal church is ready. But you know, and I know, that young people today face challenges completely foreign to previous generations. Today's children are digital natives. They have never used a phone with buttons. <laughs> Let that sink in. They practice hiding from gunmen in schools on a regular basis. They begin curating their social media profiles and college applications in middle school or earlier, all the while balancing endless extracurriculars and coping with extreme helicopter parenting. It is no wonder that mental health crises are on the rise at an alarming rate among American teenagers. Similarly, there are dynamics and challenges that are common to nearly all churches right now. Many scholars have written extensively about spirituality among the youngest generations. One of the most highly regarded volumes is a book titled Almost Christian by Princeton Seminary Professor, Professor Kenda Creasy Dean, written in 2010. In it, she describes an American reality where church attendance is no longer a cultural expectation. At this point, we know that 39% of Generation Z, those born in the early 2000s, claim no religion at all, as fundamentalist forms of religion continue asserting a false dichotomy between having faith and acknowledging science. 
generating skepticism around religion writ large among young Americans. But this is only the tip of the iceberg. Creasy Dean makes a compelling argument that the seeming lack of faith among young people might simply be a more honest, less guilt-ridden expression of their parents' cultural Christianity, which other scholars have characterized by a term coined moralistic therapeutic deism, MTD. Sounds like a diagnosis, doesn't it? But it's the idea that following Jesus basically means just being a nice person, right? Well, more and more, people of all ages are choosing to be nice people on Sunday mornings from the soccer field, at Starbucks, and in the comfort of their own homes. The result is that across the board, biblical and theological literacy can no longer be taken for granted. In a post-Christian universe, familiarity even with the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm cannot necessarily be assumed. Thus, a holistic approach to youth and children's formation must take whole families into consideration. So these are just some of the realities that we face universally in the American church, but All Saints also experiences some challenges fairly unique to us. For instance, we draw students from easily more than 30 schools as a destination parish. That's just a small number of the schools that we draw from. And so we have to work extra hard to foster a sense of community among our young people. As well, the significant commute for many means that we have to be strategic and thoughtful in our programming to ensure that every trip made downtown to All Saints is a trip worthwhile for busy families. Additionally, the layout of our campus can lead to a siloing of children and youth and we recognize the need to better tell our stories of the amazing ministries happening in the Pritchett Center week after week. Early on, the task force rallied behind the idea of becoming a church that not only has children, but that feels like a church truly by, of, and for young people through and through, not siloed, but truly integrated into every facet of parish life, including worship and mission. Really, it is a return to the heart of our mission in that original Sunday school at West Peachtree in Ponce. With over 500 children and youth in our membership database, this is no small endeavor, and not one that we would venture to take without listening to the parish and seeking expert counsel. And so to assist us in this process, we enlisted Ministry Architects, a consulting group that has worked with nearly 1,000 churches of all stripes across the country to develop growing and sustainable youth and children's programs in a wide variety of contexts. Upon visiting in February, they produced the 28-page assessment report found on your chairs. And so I now invite incoming task force chair, Amy Gaynor, forward to present a summary. Hey everybody, can you hear me okay? Okay, I'm Amy Gaynor. I have two kids here, an uh, 11 year old and a 13 year old. So my family is very invested in this as I know y'all do too. Um, I'm going to try to sum up 
this. So can you share? 28 pages in about five minutes. So don't, um, don't hesitate if you have questions afterwards. Feel free to ask us. All right, Zach did an awesome job already. But ministry architects came. They spoke to 77 individual people, 14 focus groups. They did 20 online surveys. And they talked to about 97 people. So 97 people's opinions. All right, background for All Saints. We have about 2,800 people in our parish, and weekly attendance is about 650 people, okay? Mm-hmm. And these are people who are on the roll for us currently are about 178. So this would have been last year's numbers, okay? So this year, it's already grown. So just keep that in mind. We have about 74 youth that are considered active. And this is youth, okay? So this is 6 through 12. We'll do children's also, okay? Typical week, we have 30 in Sunday school, 40 in a weekly worship, five that come to an evening Bible study, and 42 in youth choir and handbells. Applause to Carol Kimmel. Uh, Monthly, we have Sunday Night Live and Attic Invasion, and then a lot of special events go on throughout the year. All right, y'all know staff, so I'm not going to go over them, but they are the reason we're here. Carol, Kathy, Zach, and Joel is who we're considering. All right, we've got a budget of uh, $3,900,000, and about $112,150 is dedicated to youth. Again, youth, not children and youth combined, okay, youth. So um, the surveys and investory feedback, again, went to the message that Zach already told us that the hope is not just to be a church with a lot of young people, but a young people's church. So that's what all of this is about, okay? All right, so Ministry Architects loves metaphors and similes about construction. So they have three rents that we need to pay. We need to have a significant number of kids participating. We need to have programs that are visible and effective. And we need to have a lot of enthusiasm through staff, volunteers, and the children. Because if we're excited but they're not, it doesn't work, okay? All right, so let's look at youth ministry norms um, to consider versus All Saints. Okay, so typical church has about 10% of their youth participating. So if we have 650 people a week, we are, um, that would be 65, we are at 74 a week participating. So we're already doing pretty good with our numbers, okay? They also point out that it is very typical to see to grow beyond a level of 20%, okay? So our ceiling is probably about 130 youth a week. So we're at about 74, okay? So our next challenge is going to be budgeting. Current budget is about 1500 per youth, which currently allows us to reach and maintain weekly participation of about 75 per week. So we're right at about money for about 74 or 75, and we have about 74 participating. But I'll mention later, we've already grown since last year. So the more kids we have involved, the more money we'll probably want. Always, right? All right, so staffing challenges. We have a youth minister who gives us 20 hours a week. We have a director of children's and youth music who gives us 20 hours a week, associate rector who gives us seven hours of his time a week, and that's about 1.2 full-time staff people, which allows all saints to engage about 59 youth per week, and we're at about 74. Okay, so just think about numbers. Volunteers, the goal for a program is to have one adult for every five youth, we are currently at one adult for every 10 youth. So that's why we need 
volunteer village, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So um, we're at a ratio now that covers about 40 youth a week. All right, what we need to see um, to build this sustainable program and sustainable staff is again, you get back to the architect metaphor or the building metaphor. We have an architect, which we're seeing as Zach, who helps design plan and ensure compliance. Then we have general contractors, which is Joel and the Sunday school teachers who will manage the flow, sequence the work, um, make sure everything's going according to the blueprint. We're gonna make a good plan, but we wanna make sure we stick with it so we can see if it's really working and then tweak it as need be. And then we have the laborers, which are the people who come in with their special gifts and the responsibility of bringing those gifts to our children, okay? All right, now we're gonna talk about the children's program. This is K through five. Currently we have a four year rotational plan of Bible stories, awesome plan, but we really wanna integrate it in with choir, children's church, Wednesday evening programs and special events so it feels more cohesive. Um, the amount of work that's done already is incredible. This is not to criticize that at all, but just to say how can we make it even better? All right, so the goal is to have a seamless program from birth to age 18. All right, children's space. This is something they considered when they came in. We have first and second floor Critchett Center for the younger folks. And then we share that with Bright Horizons during the week. So I don't know if y'all know that, but we share that space. Uh, it's a rotational space that has an art room, movie room, game room, quiet reflection space, music hall, connect room for fourth and fifth graders, kitchen for cooking class and science, closets and a large gathering space. That um, square footage is great, but we'd like to update it and make it look and feel a little more comfortable for the children. If you've ever been in that bathroom, it's adult size, and a lot of the people up there, most of them, are not adults. So that's something that we wanna look at too, is making the bathroom um, work for the littles. All right, so our current renovation budget is about $15,000, and Maria's gonna talk about that when she comes up. So the, the last step, in the children's space is volunteers. We've got a huge gap in number of volunteers. We need more non-parent volunteers and more parent volunteers. And then the physical separation in the buildings, we see that as a little bit of a challenge because when you have to walk over to a separate building to drop off your kids, you don't ever really get to see the other parents that drop off, it's always across. So we're gonna talk about how we can make that a little more seamless also. All right. So when you look at typical children's ministry norms versus All Saints, typical ch uh, church has 15% weekly worship is children. So for uh, 650 people a week that come, we expect our program size to be around 98. This is the big one. All Saints Sunday School attendance for children is up to 103 from 63 the previous year. So that's incredible, but we need help. Um, attendance at the Children's Church was not taken last year, so we don't really know those numbers, but we will um, we'll be getting those this year. And then we have Wednesday night attendance is about 100 children. So the active children number we have is about 103, which is great, but we just need more, um, more help with them. So we have one full-time staff for ev every 70 children is the typical number for most church. All Saints has an equivalent of 1.4 full staff members, which puts us at a capacity to sustain about 100 children a week, which is already, we're already beyond that, okay? So, so current staffing is not gonna sustain that growth. So we are gonna talk about that this week. Um, I'm gonna keep moving, because I know we have a lot. Right now, um, of course we all think our churches 
awesome, and it is. We're a different kind of place here. Um, they put in the in the brochure that All Saints has continued to stand on the truths they believe and maintained staying power in the middle of a religiously saturated southern city. That's a pretty powerful statement. Um, we have traditional integration um, through liturgy, prayer, music, and Episcopal tradition. We have a youth choir that's been our constant through all the changes we've been over the last two decades um, with Miss Kimmel. We have rites of passage, which is rite 13, confirmation and pilgrimage. Our space in the attic, the third floor upstairs, if you haven't been up there, it's absolutely incredible. Um, we have what we call increased intentionality. This is mindfulness through leadership and strategic planning. The vestry and the staff is working hard to make a good plan. Um, we're not in a state of panic about our program, but we just want to keep growing and making it better. All right, so challenges that they brought to us are we have um, what they call a communication conundrum. Um, I don't know if any of y'all, and I hope you have all, seen the online registration and all the weekly communication you're getting now. Um, if you are new, you just think that's what we've always done, but it really is an awesome improvement. We have an online calendar now that you can just click and add everything straight to your um, calendar, which is another beautiful improvement. Okay, so another challenge that they gave us was that we are not fully formed. We seek a well-known set of spiritual development milestones and an understanding of when the youth will reach those markers. Kathy Roberts is gonna speak to that. We have not enough investment from our parents and our staff, uh, not, not our staff, our parents and our non-parents, so we wanna, of course, increase the number of volunteers we have. Um, we mentioned disconnected youth. They have a lot of schools that they come from. They're not coming just with their friends in their neighborhood, so an opportunity to make new and different friends, which I think is a really big plus, but um, that's it's not as easy as just coming and seeing the same people you see every day at school. Um, understaffed, we talk about our numbers. Um, we had a crack in the foundation, which I love, again, the <laughs> construction metaphor, but that we needed better data collection. We needed an opportunity to do that, and that's why you're doing online registration. We now have a database of everybody that's coming to Sunday school, so it's much easier to reach everyone, okay? Um, they said uh, we could be improved with a calendar and weekly communication. We did that. Um, the Pritchett Center, again, they said the separation was something that we needed to work on, and we are talking about that currently. Um, they talked about uh, a cliff in there, if you, if you look at the at their report, and that's just decreased attendance after pilgrimage. So after the youth did the pilgrimage, we didn't see them as much. So we wanna make sure we continue that. And then um, terminal uniqueness is something they put in there, and that's just the extracurricular activities, the packed schedules, that we have high performer students, don't we all? Multiple feeder schools, dual income families with little time to volunteer, traffic, technology. So I don't really think that is unique to all Saints. That is all of the kids growing up now, so we're not gonna see that as a challenge. That is just what everybody's dealing with. A uh, bridge from children to youth, making an intentional plan so when they go from the second level of Pritchett up to the third level, they feel welcomed, um, they feel excited, and Kathy did that for us last year, so we're already working on that. And then uh, consumer culture was one of the complications they had for us, and instead of thinking, what can I get from All Saints, want people to think, what can I give to All Saints, okay? 
And then there are still like 20 pages of recommendations in the timeline. Um, so we're looking at about an 18-month time frame is what they set up for us. So I'm going to let somebody else take the microphone, but I hope that helps summarize it a little bit for you. Okay. Thanks so much, Amy. And hopefully we'll have some time for questions uh, here right at the end. So as you can see, we're building on a lot of strengths, but also certainly have our work cut out for us as we seek to be the village. Likewise, it has been a busy summer and spring as we have begun immediately implementing initiatives that will set up our programs for success and sustainability. As Amy mentioned, the first major growing edge we have tackled is communications, which has resulted in the beautiful new red brochure on your chairs, as well as a new comprehensive online uh, youth and children's ministries hub, which you can find there at allsaintsatlanta.org slash nextgen. The staff and I have worked diligently this summer to develop these beautiful resources, which includes information and registration pages for all of our events, one-click calendars that allow busy families to download uh, the calendars directly to their devices, and then integrated information about children and youth programs, as well as children's and youth choirs and service ministry opportunities for all ages. So I urge you to visit that site where you can read more in depth about the scope and sequence of all our programs from cradle to college, which we have given considerable thought and energy in the past months. The task force has, gone, has drawn great inspiration from our magnificent magnolia tree at the entrance to our campus, the entrance to our village. And this climbing tree has provided beauty and recreation for generation upon generation of saints. And it has served as a valuable motif for thinking about how we want to conceptualize our programs in the Pritchett Center. And this is depicted in the brochure, which if you fold it out, uh, blossoms into a cross with the tree overlaid there in the center. And so sort of the concept is that infants and toddlers start out in our little saint's nursery on the first floor, where they begin to lay down roots with their families in this community. In elementary school, they move up to the second floor, like the trunk of a tree. This is the space where they continue learning and growing in the stories of faith, like a tree adding rings as it grows. And then finally, the teenagers move up to our wonderful attic space where they flourish and bear fruit as they are equipped for service and leadership in the world. And as we seek to build a well-rounded formation program, the foundations of biblical roots, healthy relationships, honoring religious traditions, and reaching out in service remain at the heart of all we do. And so to that end, we have begun refreshing our curricula across the board. There's no magic bullet, and as Episcopalians, we certainly believe that faith is caught more than taught. But nevertheless, we have added quite a bit of fresh new content to our faith formation toolbox. In kindergarten through third grade, we will be drawing on a relatively new curriculum called GROW, which draws upon diverse Christian educators from around the country to contribute lessons, crafts, stories, and games geared towards steeping children in the biblical narratives in a way that is engaging and interactive 
while also honoring their innate sense of spirituality. Our fourth and fifth grade cohort will continue using the popular multimedia-rich curriculum called Connect, and fourth and fifth grade has been rebranded to Club 45 <laughs> as we seek to nurture a robust kind of pre-youth group experience for our tweens designed to build community and foster excitement as they anticipate their move to the attic. And we are in the process of imagining a sort of clubhouse, treehouse for them on the second floor. Our pedagogical approach throughout elementary school centers around the theme of learn it and live it as we seek to help our children internalize and embody the gospel in their head, in their hearts, and in their hands. For instance, after spending several weeks hearing about unique and diverse family configurations in the Old and New Testaments, and trust me, they're in there, children may participate in a pop-up love shop as they distribute uh, crafts and trinkets and messages of love on Pride Sunday. Or after reflecting on the power of generous giving through the story of St. Nicholas, uh, they may also participate in a shoe drive for underserved children. Similarly, learning about the Israelites in exile gives our children a space to develop empathy and understanding before attending a refugees ministry summer pool party. And so to enhance our ministries with children, as Amy mentioned, we are also in the very initial phases of imagining some physical renovations to the second floor. And so I invite uh, Maria forward to give us an update on that. Hi, everybody. Um, so I think Amy actually covered uh, the scope of what we have so far pretty well. Um, as you mentioned, we're looking at uh, renovating the bathrooms to be a little bit more uh, little person friendly. Um, we are focusing mostly on the second floor. The first floor uh, we share with Bright Horizons. The third floor, the attic, has been renovated recently. So we are talking mainly about the K through five space. Um, as if, if you've seen the attic, which I hope most of you have, which was renovated recently, um, it, it really gives uh, the older ch uh, youth a sense of space, of ownership over their own space on campus. And so far, the K through fifth haven't really had that. So the idea is to renovate the space to give the uh, younger kids a sense of pride in a place that, that is truly their own. And we are going to be building on the tree metaphor. So the lower floor is the roots, the middle floor is going to be kind of a woodsy, um, kind of mid-tree. Uh, we talked about the tree house. We talk a little bit about the hollow, maybe. Uh, so a kind of woodsy, homey, cozy feel. Uh, that's about all we have right now. We are forming uh, a subcommittee to work on that. We are being head, our chair is Kate Mabry, which I saw earlier today, but I don't see her here today. We are looking for helpers, so as you walk out today, you will see the table. Uh, please, if you have any in, you know, interior renovation or just passion for paint, uh, please stop by, sign up. Um, <laughs> And that's my plea for today. Thanks, Maria. We're also very excited to be introducing a new program this year called Milestones. And Kathy is actually in Sunday School right now, so I'm going to let her introduce that program via video feed here. Hey, this is Kathy Roberts. I'm the director of the Children's Ministries. And we're so excited to have the Milestones program starting this year. 
It's just a way for us to help families and children to recognize God's presence in our everyday events. Um, we're going to start with the kindergartners, and they're going to receive a blessing bowl um, this Sunday as they come to church for the first time up on the second floor. It's a way of receiving them up and saying they're with the big kids now. Now, this will be the receptacle where they put all their future blessing stones. For instance, the children who graduated from third grade and entered into our Club 45 received just one this year because they spent four years learning all the Bible stories. So there are, there's a representation for the four years. So each, each stone is given for a certain reason, and parents can order their own to go with it for milestones at home. It literally can be for toilet training, it, my first bike, um, getting the keys to the car. It can be for anything. Um, I have this one for my anniversary. So it could be a family affair and they can sit on the kitchen table um, or by a bedside. And um, we're really excited about this. And so really the idea behind this Milestones program is to encourage what Anglicans might call sacramental living, such that every table becomes a Eucharistic table and every celebration, both in church and secular, so to speak, provides an opportunity to give thanks to God. Certainly the big churchy occasions such as baptism and confirmation, but also in the everyday and the mundane. So we're definitely gonna be engaging our high school sophomores in a blessing of the keys as they get their uh, driver's licenses and hit the roads. Uh, that will do us all in our community a lot of good, no doubt. <laughs> so speaking of teenagers and confirmation, I am very excited to share about a new confirmation curriculum we will be starting up in January. Begun at St. Paul's Church in Oakland, California, Confirm Not Conform is an innovative program designed to honor the questions and doubts teenagers bring to the table while demonstrating with confidence that Christian faith will stand up to honest examination but also without ignoring our traditions, warts, and flaws throughout history. In addition to typical content around Bible and sacrament and church history, uh, it also includes interfaith, immersion experiences, and provocative lessons, such as one called Heretics Are Us. And perhaps what excites me most about it is that it pairs each participant with a trusted adult mentor in the parish to engage in prayer, discussion, and relationship building as they prepare for confirmation. And this comes with a significant change. In alignment with a number of large Episcopal parishes, including Christ Church Charlotte's and St. Philip's Cathedral right here in Atlanta, we are moving confirmation from grade 10 to grade eight. And in order to execute this, we are welcoming 8th, 9th, and 10th graders this year to be confirmed, and the next year we'll move it to 8th grade alone. Uh, there are several reasons, but one is that with the large number of schools represented here at All Saints, we hope to take advantage of the opportunity for our youth to build strong community together earlier than later, while also giving our youth a strong 
faith foundation as they go into high school rather than right in the middle. This year I met with our 10th grade confirmation, or last year I met with our 10th grade confirmation class for the first time and there were 12 10th graders representing 12 different high schoolers. And so we wanna kind of get them to gel as a community earlier in the game. And this also comes as part of a larger scheme that I am absolutely thrilled to introduce. Ministry architects told us that if we wanted a replacement for J2A, that we were gonna have to imagine it for ourselves. And so that is what we are doing. And so this is still in development. We're kind of building the plane as we fly it, but we are clear on the trajectory. And so beginning in the sixth grade, each year we'll have a faith formation theme or lens which tracks with Jesus' life and ministry. Sixth grade will be epiphany year, a year of new revelations as many are entering middle school, a time of considering one's identity upon beginning adolescence, and just as the season of epiphany offers occasion to consider one's baptized identity in Christ, so too will this be the theme of sixth grade. The seventh graders will remain with the sixth graders in the wildly popular Sunday school class taught by Comer Yates and Hank Harris. And seventh grade will be dubbed Temple Year as they continue exploring the scriptures and the Old Testament as they relate to Jesus' life and ministry. This seventh grade Temple Year will culminate in the Rite 13 ceremony, which is based loosely on the Bar Mitzvah service, but also inspired by the story of Jesus teaching in the temple as he came of age at 12 years old. Between Jesus' baptism and the start of his public ministry, he journeyed into the wilderness. And so eighth grade will be the wilderness year. As youth participate in a confirmation wilderness retreat, it won't be too extreme, but we're going with the theme. And as they learn to, uh, we're not gonna send them off, you know, with no food or anything, uh, but they will sort of uh, conceive of that year as a wilderness year as they uh, learn to claim the faith of their baptism. Ninth graders will follow Jesus into the city. Now that they are confirmed, youth will turn their focus more than ever to service as they participate in an urban adventure and continue engaging with our service ministries. 10th grade will remain as pilgrim year, offering the opportunity to travel at the culmination of a year, exploring spiritual practices. And so 10th grade will remain um, pilgrimage year, and it won't any longer, in the past it's sort of been like a reward for getting confirmed, and we wanna kind of unlink uh, <laughs> pilgrimage from confirmation. Um, we wanna learn about intrinsic rewards rather than um, simply a trip abroad, right? 11th grade will be servant year as they follow the one who came not to, ser to be served but to serve and step further into leadership in the church and in the world. And then 11th and 12th graders will have the opportunity to exercise leadership in, in the youth program in myriad ways. And 12th grade will be labeled ascension year as we prepare them to launch. And they will be invited to participate in a number of forums exploring faith and professional vocation and discernment as they prepare for college and beyond. So that's sort of the trajectory we're looking at. And if you haven't noticed yet, we've also rebranded the youth ministry at large to Y'all Saints. 
short for Youth of All Saints. And so we've talked about children and youth. We also plan to expand our offerings for parents in the coming years. On October 20th, Kathy Roberts and Kara Wilkes will continue the Parenting with God seminar begun last year. And we hope to also offer additional programs dealing with difficult topics that parents have asked for, namely negotiating technology with adolescents and also talking to teenagers uh, about sex and sexuality. And so, there we go. Um, in the end, this vision isn't just about children and youth and parents. It's about the whole parish coming together to make a difference in the next generation and in our world as leaders in the city and in the Episcopal Church. And so as we begin to wrap up, I'm going to call forward Jesse Furr to tell you about how you can step up and join in this vital work today. working. Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Jesse. Last name is Fur. I say that separately because sometimes people think it's one word. Jesse Fur, right? So um, I, d I, have a si I have a sister. Her name is Jenny, but it was never Jennifer. It was Virginia Fur. And no, we don't have siblings named Frazier, Douglas, or Lucy, right? <laughs> Church joke, right? So uh, <laughs> um, I'm not here to talk about um, my family name. I'm here to talk about the village and um, and our volunteer village that we're trying to establish here at um, All Saints. Um, I very much know growing up that um, it took a village to raise me. There was lots of people in my spiritual community that were pouring into me and making sure that I was on a, a spiritual journey as I as I um, as I as I grew in in my personal faith. And we are. I mean, you've seen the last um, several slides here of the 30 minutes or so that we've been presenting. Um, and indeed takes a village to put all this together. So um, we know from studies that um, if a child can be connected to at least one adult in their faith community, we know that they are much more likely to continue their faith journey on um, beyond high school. And so we are working really hard to make sure we are building that village here at, at All Saints so our, our children and our youth can have a uh, community in which to grow. Um, we are launching our volunteer village community and you can sign up via um, our website which is um, allsaints.org forward slash volunteer village. Um, you have the ability to kind of express what your interests may be and there are many ways to be involved in our volunteer village community. Not everyone has to teach Sunday school, breathe, right? Um, but there are many ways to be involved, such as um, getting involved with um, br bringing uh, snacks to our various events, um, helping out with transportation, um, uh, participating in the, some of the crafts activities. Um, they are monthly or they're annual um, a uh, ways to participate. And um, one of the best ways that we can all participate is by joining our prayer community. Um, at a minimum, we do need your prayers as we build out our, our, um, our volunteer village. Um, for those of you all that may not know exactly how you can lend your gifts to our volunteer village, feel free to talk to any, any of us on the task force, and we can tell you about all the um, various opportunities that, that do exist with us. So I'm going to turn it back over to Zach. Thank you. So as we wrap up, I just want to offer that much of this work so far has been focused on ourselves. As this work continues, 
we will at some point begin turning our eyes more and more out to the city and to the world as we strive to honor God with the incredible gifts and resources we have been given in service to Jesus' vision of a more beloved community. My hope is that we will increase our outreach to local schools and nonprofits that work with youth, especially those right here in Midtown, and that we can offer our facilities more and more to groups and programs that align with our mission, whether a summer arts camp for the neighborhood, a prom for young people with special needs or those who identify as LGBTQ, scouting groups or school service projects. Really, the possibilities are endless. Comer Yates, who I mentioned is working with our sixth and seventh grade class, has been an invaluable asset to our task force as someone with expansive knowledge of Atlanta and expertise in education as the executive director of the Atlanta Speech School. And he has offered us this challenge again and again. He has asked, among all the burdens, anxieties, fears, and wounds that young people carry in our community, including in our parish, what if we opened our doors as a refuge and a sanctuary for the children of Atlanta? What if we opened our doors as a refuge and a sanctuary for all the children of Atlanta? I pose that question to you and invite you envisioning and wondering and dreaming big with us. What would it look like? And so with that, I'll open it up to one or two questions uh, before the 11.15 service. Thank you. We're pretty on target. Um, we're about halfway-ish through this sort of 18-month renovation pro process. Um, you know, some things move a little slower, other things move a little faster. We're more or less on target um, or had fallen behind and are now caught up. So um, things are moving right along. I'm glad to say that we'll soon be hiring a very part-time administrative assistant to help us with data collection and uh, get it, getting us organized in the next year. Great question. Time for one more, or we can uh, go to worship or to brunch if you were at the nine o'clock service. <laughs> go in peace.